Thank you for tuning in to Roll Call. The movie you selected is Second Act. Welcome to Roll Call, the show where two childless millennials gush over an actor's journey from their early years throughout their blockbuster hits. Because if you don't know by now, we still miss blockbuster. Yes. And I wonder, at like the height of blockbuster's existence, what blockbuster corporate looked like at one point because in this movie that we're talking about today we get some real cool shots of some like really fun fancy new york exec offices and buildings and stuff and i'm wondering bria if you if we think if blockbuster ever had like a big fun corporate party or like or a big fun corporate office or like a banging christmas party I'm sure, I'm sure they did. And I wonder if celebrities went to... Oh, my God. (laughs) But I don't know why. As soon as you said Blockbuster corporate office, all I could think about was like, I wonder what their carpet looks like. (laughs) Like, it's a really fun 90s roller rink carpet where it's like bright blue and yellow. Like, yes. Like that. Yes. Is there like film reels on it? Is there a Blockbuster logo? Is there some popcorn? Like VHS tapes, DVDs? I gotta know. Like I gotta gotta know. know. (laughs) I wonder they probably decorated their office with like their favorite, like not Funko Pops, but like, you know, like little like DVD or um, VHS uh, like boxes and um, I bet you when they were like promoting big movies and stuff, they would the all cardboard get cardboard standouts. Yeah, some cardboard standouts. I'm sure they had um, like signed movie posters framed throughout the hallways or just like famous movie posters like Scarface or whatever, like the Godfather. <laughs> Every teenage boy's uh, yeah. college dorm decor. <laughs> Plus your like random ETs and like. <laughs> titanics yes yes (laughs) yeah 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 oh my gosh it would have been so fun to see blockbuster corporate my mind almost flashed for a second like what if they just wore like khakis and a blue shirt like (laughs) like their store employees you know what i going back to the office i low-key was like you know i kind of wish i had a uniform because Hmm. it would I got used to just working in my pajamas so Uh you know my outfit was set for you know the week Mm-hmm. And now having to get up and be like, hmm, I wore that already. <laughs> and how do I look cute? How do I look like I'm trying? <laughs> and, you know, a uniform settles that. But yes, so what's up, everybody? I'm Bria. And I have two things that, you know, I want to start this banging episode off with first of all welcome to our weekly bitch sesh i mean (laughs) social club (laughs) and oh milo ventimiglia that is how you treat jennifer lopez in a fucking shower oh bitch that's what i have for my opening line too (laughs) (laughs) yes you that's like my first note i had to no, me too. Actually, no, my first my first line was um it was after like the plot had started to go, but I said finally we get a shower scene that Jennifer Lopez can be justified for. Bummer that that boyfriend kind of ended up being a douche, but 
she gets a good shower scene finally <laughs> and i mean you would think we're talking about some steamy 50 shades of gray type of sh no shower scene. it was the most innocent like fun shower scene she's getting ready in the morning she's got a job interview it's her it's birthday. Her, birthday. <laughs> her boyfriend comes in with like a little breakfast sandwich, grilled cheese or something, and like puts a little candle in it. And then, yeah, they kind of like flirt a little. And she just like grabs him in there. And it was fun. Yes, yes. I mean, it's the little things at this point that we've come to appreciate, especially given how many times we're like, uh, uh, why? Why? So thank you. Thank you. And um, I'm pretty sure that might have been JLo's doing. She is a producer on this movie. So mm -hmm. so if you don't know by now, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about none other than, as always, well, not for long, actually. <laughs> this is our second to last movie episode. But of course, we're talking about Jennifer Lopez in the 2018 romantic comedy Second Act. Mm -hmm. So... Let's take a trip back to this. No, it's November 2018. I, I thought it premiered in December. I saw that too, but when I went to look at movies in December, it was nowhere to be found. It's really? In November. Yes. So, man, you would think 2018, not that long ago, right? Mm -hmm. Simone? Um, mm -hmm. About. 20 years ago given 2020 no <laughs> um, what's that three four years ago and yeah about three years you know some of the things i looked up i immediately obviously they're still pretty fresh in my memory compared to stuff we've covered before mm -hmm. but you know there was so much i feel like that happened in 2018 and so much that i had to really pick and choose because i was like whoo man mm. you know this could go on and on, and I'm sure we'll cover 2018 movies, somebody else, but, you know, I'm sure there's plenty to go around yeah, for many yeah. seasons to come, so um, I'm sure we'll talk about this at another time, too, but Black Panther, mm, I mean, yeah. that just, I could stop there, really, because it just took over that year, everybody was Wakandaing forever. I had a group at work of friends that I ate lunch with, and our group chat at the time was Wakanda. Mm -hmm. um, I have a shit ton of uh, Black Panther pops. I mean, it was just, it stormed the theaters, the Marvel Universe, RIP Chadwick Boseman. But uh, man, what an mm -hmm. amazing movie. Um and get this out of the way a little sad news legendary singer aretha franklin passed away in 2018 oh yeah so the world said it's goodbyes some of the <sighs> big tributes and um obviously there's movies coming out about her life and journey now so aretha franklin rest in peace queen um mm -hmm. in other music news we have some hip-hop lady beef cardi b first of all cardi b is everywhere 2018 her mm -hmm. album drops bodak yellow was everywhere i knew her from her humble beginnings as the kind of snaggatooth funny 
super <laughs> wannabe rapper on Love and Hip Hop, which is a reality TV show on VH1. If you've never watched it, some of the early seasons are reality TV gold. Mm-hmm. But she became a household name and people fell in love with her personality. And obviously she had some amazing songs come out that also helped propel her to popularity. But... Nicki Minaj was the reigning hip-hop girl. So, of course, we must pit women against women. But, you know, also they said some shit to each other. But this all boils over at a Harper's Bazaar New York Fashion Week event. And this is when Cardi B throws the shoe and then the infamous photo of her walking out, like being escorted out. And she has like this huge knot on her head. And, like, she just looks like, yeah, she looks like she got her licks, too, but she also looks triumphant. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. like, I did that shit. <laughs> and, woo, that's um, that image. I didn't even have to look at the picture. Like, it's seared in my head. Yeah. So, in other hip-hop news, um, we have, like, a viral moment here. Per always, Mr. Drake, Aubrey Graham, is back. And, I mean... He's everywhere. When isn't he everywhere? But this year, he had people dancing outside of their cars to the song In My Feelings. Oh, so yeah. Those, those are some of like the earliest TikTok videos I saw. And so that's also like one of the things I feel like that label TikTok as like this dance app mm-hmm. where kids mm-hmm. make videos to songs like this that go viral and stuff. But that song, oh, my God soundtrack of that year to me like especially this summer but um in other news we have some breakups mm-hmm. jennifer aniston and justin thoreau call it quits oh yeah you know we always want jen ann to um find love especially after what happened Brad. yeah so that was uh that was heartbreaking but i think Jennifer Aniston handles a breakup well, you know. Shannon Tatum and Jenna Dewan Tatum divorce. Oh, yeah. Yes. They which... have a couple of kids together, right? I think so. I know they had one. I don't know if they have more. But, you mm-hmm. know, sad to say, without this breakup, we wouldn't have the weird, uh, I don't want to say weird, but interesting pairing that is now him and Zoe Kravitz. So, oh, I didn't know they were together. Yes, they oh. are dating, having some fun. She is living her himbo dreams to the fullest. Anyways, so we have those two breakups. Um, then we have an amazing marriage. One of the biggest, probably of the last, uh, oh, yeah, the last decade. The royal wedding of Harry and Meghan. Ooh. I mean... It was amazing. I love watching a royal wedding. I liked watching Will and Kate's. Um, mm-hmm. I will say I do like Kate's dress better than Megan's, but everything that has ensued post that wedding has just been like, oh my god. Yeah, so, there's been drama. Yes, so we can mark that year as when it all began, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have some viral moments here. The possible reason, maybe, for Gen Z being so confident, yet a bit unhinged, the Tide Pod Challenge. Oh, oh no. (laughs) I forgot about that. 
I haven't. That or the bath salts. It's just like, what? Um, you clearly are bored. Go outside. <laughs> yeah, except they're not allowed to go outside. They're, well, right now, they're... not in t- t- No, I know, but I think in general, like, that's oh, why yeah. we poke fun at Gen Z is because they're little bubble wrap babies. <laughs> Parents have to... But that's why they can make amazing commercials and transitions and movie like entertainment on TikTok. Oh, <laughs> that's right. So. Oh, I know. I know. You, it it comes with uh, checks and balances, right? I mean, yes, there's yes. like trades uh, trade offs for for all of that. But yeah, um, don't eat, don't eat detergent. It's not. I know it looks like candy, and it. <laughs> And you, in your mind, you think it's funny. It's not funny. It's not I funny. think, you know, this coming from a generation who probably, you know, tried to eat some decorative soaps that grandmas once upon a time. <laughs> we, we steered clear of Tide Pods. We were like, they're pretty, but no. So <laughs> They're pretty, but I'm not a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> also, they're expensive. How dare you? <laughs> um, also, viral moments, kind of like the black... Or black and blue or white and gold dress. There's a whole Yanny Laurel audio thing. Oh, yeah. What was the debate on what it was like you heard Yanny Yanny or Laurel? Laurel, Yes. I think I heard Yanny. But maybe that's because that's like my last name sounds similar to it. So I'm like conditioned. I don't remember. But what I heard, I remember this thing. But um, I think it's funny, though, that in the article I read, um, they they said, we all became united, though, in this debate because Charles Barkley said that it said donuts. So we all can agree together that it does not say donuts. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. thought that was funny. Makes me want a donut. Um, a new... I guess, colloquialism in the world. Big dick energy was apparently in 2018. So everybody was confidently strutting about with some BDE, you know, Mm -hmm. women and men. So Uh I think this is probably a start of where a lot of phrases and stuff become not gender-based for a lot of people anymore like Mm -hmm. i know i see people all the time like being like anybody's a bitch to me or anybody's a bro doesn't that's like universal to people so i think big dick energy is just the same big ovary energy doesn't hit quite the same but you know switch it out okay Um, and i saved the best for last Beyonce performs at Coachella in 2018, oh. also known mm-hmm. as Beachella, which I did not attend because festivals are not my jam. Yeah. We're to Astro World, um, so I I just big crowds. Um, I like a nice view of performance, so I'm not standing all day just mm-hmm. to be able to see Beyonce. Love you, but I waited for the Netflix special, and boy, does she make me wish I went but yes. that Netflix special was really great I mean of course it was going to be an amazing production but um I remember live streaming Coachella or like finding some like little places on YouTube that would like be showing it because I me and Leah wanted to watch it um but the the Netflix production of it was fantastic as well Yes, um, I definitely have some Beachella merch, mm-hmm. even though I didn't go. That's the one that looks like varsity. It's like homecoming, right? 
it looks That's... like yeah like greek uh, but amazing um moment and a beautiful display of the hbcu band in college kind of experience also sorority experience by the way she meshed all that together so mm-hmm. oh, i love it all right so we both got confused but this movie came out in november so movies yes. of november 2018 we have creed 2 with my boy michael b jordan yep uh-huh um ralph breaks the internet the sequel to wreck it ralph the movie the favorite with um olivia Coleman. huh rachel weiss no you say that every time or i'm having some weird ass deja vu yes rachel weiss olivia coleman emma stone the favorite um oscar winner green book comes Mm -hmm. out um fantastic beast 2 the crimes of grindywald comes out widows starring our girl um viola davis and a bunch of other women Mm -hmm. very female-centric cast the grinch the animated Mm -hmm. reboot came Mm -hmm. out the christmas chronicles and i threw this one in for oh i threw these in for you uh the clover hitch killer krampus <laughs> and the Amityville Murders, and there's okay. a few other scary movies that came out too as well. But so this is what second act was competing with, which is pretty stiff competition. But, uh, so these are the movies second act was competing against. Simone, how well did second act do at the box office? Well, second act had a budget of sixteen million dollars. Um, it was actually only shot between October and December of uh, 2017. So it really only spanned like a short period of time. Like only, I guess, when like apples to oranges, it's like about two months in length, like all of October. No, they started filming like October 23rd and then like stopped mid-December. Anyways, it's a short period of filming time um and they also shot everything on location in new york um so that made i guess things transportation wise setting up wise fairly easy um and open uh yes this budget was 16 million opening weekend uh is clocked at 6.5 million and then in total gross in u.s and canada has been 40 million and then with a total gross worldwide of $72.3 million. Oh, that wow. is impressive. Yeah, um, I was pretty impressed with how well this movie did. Yeah, I'm not surprised, though, at the filming time because mm-hmm. Jennifer Lopez stays booked and busy. And I mm-hmm. believe, you know, she had her Vegas residency probably around here or mm-hmm. at least was getting ready for it filming shades of blue stuff mm-hmm. like that so it does not surprise me that she's like we're gonna do this movie in two months <laughs> we're gonna do it quick yeah. yes um but impressive again kind of like the boy next door uh another new yorican production and mm-hmm. something that she followed through with on a small budget and turned out a pretty big profit mm-hmm Yes, definitely. And I wonder, you know, the 
uh, that we'll go into the cast in a little bit once we talk about what House of Little Raj has to say about this movie. Um, but has I a little Raj, House Raj of Little Raj Day, Little Raj Dog, <laughs> as I accidentally typed out <laughs> autocorrect changed Raj to dog, and I was like, oh, little dog, that's cute. <laughs> um, uh. Before we talk about cast, before we do a quick synopsis of the movie, let's see of what some of the film critics say, because as Bria mentioned earlier, that this show has now kind of become a little bit of a bitch uh, bitch sesh and a little (laughs) open air session to talk about how we really feel about movies, and I look forward to today's discussion. But for The House of Little Raj, uh, the writer for this review is named... Mel Minow, and this person gives second act two stars. Even the boundless charms of Jennifer Lopez cannot overcome a mess of a script in second act, a mishmash that has much of an identity crisis as its name switching, past hiding, resume inflating main character. Perhaps there's some clue in the credits. This is kind of a diss about Jennifer Lopez as a producer, but Perhaps there's a clue in the credits where we learn that Lopez is the producer as well as a star, as is so often the case. Here that means the movie's more about what would be fun for Lopez to do rather than what would be fun for the audience to watch. Nell kind of um, attributes that this movie overall follows a basic Cinderella plot line of a person it kind of falls into a disparity or into a bit of a slump and gets some kind of a big makeover, not necessarily a beautification makeover, but just some kind of life-altering makeover to get them out of the hole that they're in. And then that makeover kind of gives them their happy ending. So loosely based off of some kind of a Cinderella plot, um, Jennifer Lopez's character uh, fuddles her way along um, predictable twists and turns. And um, this writer also says, or just mentions more, I mean, it's not that they're really tearing down Jennifer Lopez's performance in the movie. It's just more picking apart like this movie could have been something to be worthwhile to watch but just with the strange script some funny lines backed up by Leah Remini um, and some of the other smaller characters add some charm to it but <laughs> the the most interesting thing that this uh, that Nell Minow writes is that the reason why she really didn't like this movie is that she thought it was anti-education that it like portrayed this message to audience um, that you don't need to go to college to like have a great career and a great job, which she didn't like. Um, and I think that goes against some of the movies that had come out at that time, not around that time, but sometime before like Monsters U, I'm thinking off the top of my head from Pixar kind of had that like, you don't have to graduate from this wonderful college in order to like make yourself or make like self start in the working world. And Nell brings up um, the film's point of view is uncomfortably anti-educated people, if not anti-education entirely. While two young characters are urged to get 
get college degrees, the movie portrays street, street smarts and instinct as more authentic and more valuable than the kind of dumb team building exercises a person with an MBA would think worthwhile. School does have value. A teacher grading the script would have sent it back with corrections and insisted on another draft. <laughs> well, our resident teacher, I would love to hear <laughs> what you think um this movie is interesting to me in that it's not blood and wine it's not the backup plan but it's not like we just finished like we're about to publish what to expect when you're expecting so i listened i re-listened to that episode this morning and um we had a lot of fun talking about it and i that was a movie that like actually pleasantly really surprised me and i gave it kind of a high rating at three and a half stars um and i would actually give second act three stars i think it deserves more than two um but that being said there's still like there's elements about this person's critique that I do kind of agree with. And there are some things that like played a little too hard on my suspension of disbelief, which we'll bring back later when we talk more about the plot. So I would give this three stars. Oh my God. So this is going to be an episode where we uh, politely disagree, I think. Okay. Um, I would give this three and a half stars. I'm trying to think of movies that I ranked higher and I just don't think it's like in that realm of things mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. I think I really enjoyed this movie like it pleasantly surprised me I kind of feel like it's obvious what you expect from a movie like this but yeah. at the same time it had a little more heart than I thought it would mm -hmm. it could have very easily have been like a backup plan type movie where it's just mm -hmm. like squeezing the life out of a plot to you know make something that it isn't mm -hmm. and um i didn't get that from this and i felt a little inspired and i think that that warrants three and a half stars um so yes it will, will be very interesting to see how we differ in opinion well um, i mean three and three and a half it's not too big of a draft like a drastic thing like if i said like oh i would give this one star and then you're going three and a half like that's pretty polarizing but i'm yeah. definitely like i anticipate we'll probably disagree on some stuff yeah and I, I i do i don't know if we want to talk about this later but her her feeling of this being anti-education i think people who don't necessarily have you know degrees and things like that it's not always by choice you know it's mm -hmm. also opportunity and resources and mm -hmm. i think that it's kind of oddly kind of like our conversation with what to expect when expecting we're childless millennials mm -hmm. as we mm -hmm. always say and i think there's this dichotomy between childless people and people who have kids or parents mm -hmm. and where you know they think that we think we're better than them and we think they think they're better than us and I think that's the same with education sometimes people yeah. who don't have degrees and didn't get to go to college and stuff like that think that people who went to college think that automatically makes them better than them in some aspects yeah. and vice versa whereas like someone who's street smart or might have you know just figured out some shit and taught themselves some things or you know learned via the best ways or 
the resources they had and was able to yeah. do a lot sometimes educated people can be like well why did i waste four years of my life and this person is so um, right no yeah you're you're absolutely right i thought i i i thought that that was like a really interesting point i didn't agree with this person who wrote that but i just was like really that's what you're picking apart like yeah. the fact that this movie would like hint that be that being street smart's gonna like get you higher up in life and it's like sometimes it just boils down to the life you live and the experience you had like just because you have a great title on a piece of paper you graduated summa cum laude from whatever um place you wanted to graduate or you ended up graduating from like doesn't mean that you're ready to conquer the world and make some like really good decisions for a company or sometimes it just is based on like what your life experience is and your ability to relate to human beings and um yeah i i, I thought if anything this movie touched up on like corporate greed <laughs> and like corporate <laughs> america which i was like yeah thanks for highlighting that Corp corporate sucks <laughs> yeah um, that and also too, I think this is, it's no wonder Jennifer Lopez did this project either. And also the name second act. I feel like at this point we're seeing a second act of Jennifer Lopez's as well. Oh, 100%. Her taking her career and doing these incredible things that most people wouldn't expect of a woman over 40 from, I would say about the boy next door till, you know now current stuff where even now seeing her right now she's promoting the marry me album and seeing her mm -hmm. have a song for a movie that's doing really well at 52 is i shouldn't be amazed by that but it's kind of amazing to me there's mm -hmm. lots of stars and you know celebrities who have sat it down at 50 in some ways you know and have been like oh you know i'm being picky or and j-lo is just going she's like the energizer bunny i don't yeah. know how she does it but um but yeah so i think that part of this movie having a second act in your life where like yeah you've matured you're a little sure of yourself maybe you're questioning you know some choices in your life when you were younger but maybe you have like of course that feeling of like fuck it like i only got one life i'm gonna start doing shit and breaking some of the rules that i thought I had to follow that didn't get me anywhere so uh -huh. anyways let's <laughs> talk about the cast so we can eventually rip into <laughs> some <laughs> aspects of this movie um this cast i thought was pretty good i was very surprised by vanessa hudgens mm -hmm. i was like oh shit um that's vanessa hudgens <laughs> mm -hmm. but obviously the selling point here is leah remini and jennifer lopez because they're real real um, life bffs yes i love it and um that chemistry translates very well on screen mm -hmm. i also want to give a shout out to the pretty solid diversity of this cast mm -hmm. especially with like the mom group they had and they had um two women who were plus size women who were funny and who were just as central as not as central but you know kind of adjacent with leah remini's character and they weren't there for like comedic relief or anything like that they were just as kind of humanized mm -hmm. as jayla's character maya and you know leah's character joan and then you know you have some other 
notable funny people like Alan Einsberg and mm-hmm. Annalie Ashford and Charlene Yee. Yes, she was hilarious. <laughs> I like her a lot. Yes. If you don't know, if you haven't seen Charlene Yee, she's in like Knocked Up, 40 year old, or This is 40. She's in that like Judd Apatow realm. Um, She's done a, The Disaster Artist with James Franco. Like I feel like she's in that like friend group spectrum in Hollywood, mm-hmm. but she just plays like just this awkward little like <laughs> kind of <laughs> like stoner girl like kinky stoner girl i feel like i got like anime girl vibes from her oh totally that's it anime girl (laughs) oh also obviously milo ventimiglia ventimiglia i don't know yeah ventimiglia i think (laughs) i don't think it's that there's a g in there unless it's it's silent like (laughs) (laughs) anyways milo um plays jennifer lopez's love interest which i have to point out again boss moves j-lo picked him because she yeah this is us and um it's i still think it's amazing that again at this point in her career that she is picking her co-stars i mean she picked um what's his face in angel eyes and stuff like that but Mm-hmm. I still think that's awesome because I feel like that's rare. I don't ever really hear that that often. But anyways, yeah. Um, shout out to his hot ass. Um. And I they they had chemistry. I am like disappointed with where their storyline kind of goes, but I mm-hmm. I thought that he's like one of those guys that's like middle of the road attractive, not necessarily some of her like other co-stars uh, male co-stars that we've talked about that have been a little bit steamy and fun for her a fun to watch um but overall i felt like they had good chemistry and i think like i still think he's a attractive man yeah this is my kind of dude like i know the boy next door is like steamy and hot and stuff and he's a very attractive actor obviously matthew mcconaughey is pretty attractive to some people um who else George Clooney, you know, one mm-hmm. previous X Men Alive, Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but Milo, I I had to look up. I was like, hold the phone. What has he been in? And like, why does his name sound familiar? But I don't really remember him in anything. And he dated Hayden Panettiere, and that's oh. why. I was like, oh. was he in Heroes? Yes. Okay, that I think I remember seeing that. Okay, and they had a pretty large age gap, actually. Um, when they were dating Mm -hmm. but um i also was looking at pictures of him and i was just like oh okay maybe i got a little milo uh (laughs) fever going here Mm -hmm. so i i'm very impressed by his uh his talents Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and then i thought um, what did you think of Vanessa Hudgens as Zoe? <sighs> I mean, Vanessa Hudgens, uh, you know, m- kind of much similar to the kids of Harry Potter, you know, will kind of have that like high school musical thing following her. But that's just yeah. me. You know, I see her and I'm like, I just think of high school musical. Same thing for Zac Efron. Same thing for Ashley Tidsdale, although she did other things before yeah. high school musical. Anyways, um. But I thought I liked Vanessa Hudgens. Um, She played a good, like, spoiled rich girl. Um, But I think the story um, picks up more when the plot 
plot twist uh, where one of the plot twists of the movie is revealed and the acting for me, I think towards the end kind of dropped off a little bit, got a mm-hmm. little too hallmarky for me. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, I thought she, I really liked her with Jennifer Lopez. I thought they were a good team, like equal match level play, like fields, level field, whatever you want to say. Um, in terms of like acting choices, if mm. that makes sense. What about Leah Remini? I liked I love- Leah Remini a lot. I never watched all the episodes of Kings of Queens, uh, King of Queens, King of yes. Queens. Yes. And that's Kevin James. Yeah. Um, but I showed it, watch that Breaking Scientology video, baby. <laughs> and that's what got me on real team, Leah. Um, and also just the fact that like Jennifer and Leah are very good, if not close, close, close BFFs in real life. I think that that chemistry was very obvious and apparent, especially in the scenes where um, they're like kind of joking around and like just in and being casual with each other. I, I appreciated that. I liked Leah Remini. Um, the there were some other like random characters there was a uh, character named rob who worked at the corporate um franklin and clark thank you uh there uh, who was kind of a business competitor or like competitor employee against jennifer lopez rob's character was a dick freddie stroma did a good job playing a dick uh he has been in other things or he's been in a similar dick-like fashion i mean there's just lots of like memorable people that you've seen before where you do kind of the leo point where you're like oh i've I've seen you before but i for sure the biggest ones are jennifer lopez vanessa hutchins leah ramini um and then the other people afterwards are just more people are like i've seen you before yeah like larry miller who I remember from The Nutty Professor as mm-hmm. Sherman's boss. Uh, only one thing about Vanessa Hudgens, I felt like her, she has this smiling expression that I feel like was just constant throughout the movie. Like, like she has resting smile face? Kind of. But it's like a resting bitch face that's trying to fool you and be nice, you know? Like, you're not really that nice. Mm, I'm trying to do the face, <laughs> but, but like I, I, I do think that Leah Remini definitely. This wasn't a stretch for her either, acting wise. So, um, no, and I, I don't think, I don't think anyone's character was a real stretch. I think that they were pretty safe and easy characters to play and kind yeah. of get yourself into the headspace of. Maybe what, what took me aback with Jennifer, or sorry, with um, Vanessa Hudgens is that she also, she's my age, but she looks young still, like kind of like Selena Gomez, where Mm -hmm. she just has a very like supple face still. Um, And I mean, granted, this movie was, you know, 2017, 2018 and stuff like, so it was a few years ago, but not much to like have really aged a human. But I, like, see her and I don't have the believability that if someone at that age, she would have been, like, 26, 27, mm-hmm. playing a job as, like, a high up in She's a, a VP. She's I was a like, VP, what? <laughs> a VP of sales and of marketing sales for, like, a, 
of skincare line. I mean, I we know that it's because she's a little daddy's girl. <laughs> and so her dad is like Frank of Frank and Clark or one of the two. Or maybe he's Clark. It doesn't matter. But um, he's Clark. He's that's right. Because I'm looking down and I see that his name is Anderson Clark. <laughs> um, <laughs> that like he gives the position to her. They have a bit of a family background story of a deceased mother she was gonna go off to art school should, should we just go ahead and get into the summary let's just do it why not let's go into it but this this really short review or um synopsis comes from common sense media and that's where like parents can review something beforehand and it talks about like anything that can be um potentially difficult uh to like talk to your kids about um the in second act jennifer lopez plays maya a 43 year old woman who's unsatisfied with her life and dead-end job at a discount store when maya makes a birthday wish for a better job a friend creates a fake persona resume and facebook profile for maya which lands her a high-powered position but lying on her resume isn't the only secret my maya is hiding when the ceo's daughter vanessa hudgens challenges maya to a corporate competition the stakes for maya become sky high and maya has to prove her worth before her fraud is discovered also the twist is that maya had a child very young and that child is finesse Hudgens. <laughs> that's right and i texted bria like during watching that movie i watched this movie last night and before it was revealed so it was that that twist was um or at least it was hinted like a little about 10 10 ish minutes into the movie uh, maya is dating um guy named trey played by milo and um they are you know doing well in their relationship said that they've been together for like three four or five years something like that and that supposedly he was getting ready to propose and jennifer or maya got kind of like in her head because she knows that he wants a family and she's just not really there yet and her friend keeps on saying like you can't beat yourself up over what happened and we don't really know what happened just yet and it wasn't until after their breakup that it was revealed that maya had a daughter at the age of like 17 and had given her daughter up for adoption that kind of just like went past behind me and was like oh okay all right that kind of adds to her kind of complicated elements and features to her character whatever whatever and then about halfway through the movie vanessa hudgens's character zoe invites maya over to her apartment that dear daddy gave her which is this she's like oh yeah this apartment's so small it still has all my stuff and it's this like gorgeous like penthouse apartment in manhattan and um uh, maya's like looking around she's like oh wow like your mom was blonde and she looks over at vanessa hudge and she goes oh yeah i was adopted and i wrote down it has its own life <laughs> if vanessa hudgens is j-lo's daughter <laughs> I'm going to fucking lose it. <laughs> what did I write? Oh, I wrote, OMG, I knew she was her daughter. So after that was revealed, and then she like finally confronts, she like, they're like in her childhood bedroom there. She's like going through some stuff. She's looking for like research that she had done based off of this like project that they're competing on, which is to find like, or create a truly organic skincare line for Frank and Clark. Um, but she like hands Maya her little baby blanket and then she has this triggered memory of like a note that she left her before adoption and then 
that's when I texted Bria and I was like, have you seen that? Did you watch this movie? <laughs> and this is when, this is where you lose me personally. This is where it got too hallmarky for me and you take the comedy out of it and you try and smush too much of this like sentimental crap in there that I would have rather have it be it because some genres call this movie a romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say this is a rom-com. This is not made in Manhattan. If she didn't have a um or like monster-in-law um or even what to expect I guess but if she didn't have an adopted daughter as like part of her character background and then she like ends her relationship once she gets this corporate job and then like meets someone at this corporate job and then she has to like lie about who she is and where she came from and stuff and they kind of fall in love with each other. Mm -hmm. And it is similar to Maine in Manhattan where you get someone who's like old money, comes from a rich family background, is kind of like a little pretty boy and then she like learns him the being a street smart and like talks about like the importance of taking care of your people and your customers and something like that. To follow just one plot line rather than have it be this like mixed jumble of like I'm lying, I have this deadline of this project, I have an adopted daughter I just found out, oh now my friends are really mad at me because even though they made me get this job all of a sudden I don't have time for them anymore and they're Mary mad at Devil me. Wears Prada. <laughs> Mary Devil Wars Prada. And then, oh, and then the boyfriend comes back and it's like, you want a family? You are my family. It's uh, that's, that's where you kind of lose me as an audience viewer. Um, but that's also take it with a grain of salt because I'm my brain doesn't cope well with these kinds of storylines. <laughs> I'd rather have a movie like The Cell where you get a masochistic little daddy that's kidnapping young girls and Jennifer Lopez is trying to find them. I'd much rather watch that. I mean, I love The Cell. That's a sleeper hit in my opinion. Um, I, I get what you're saying. I definitely do. I, I do think that the adoption storyline was probably a little bit like, too much dip on the chip like the chip cracked a little bit and i get Good analogy um, yeah but i mean there's really no but i mean you could scrap it completely and i'd be fine with that like it's not um it's not something i'm gonna fight uh to keep in this movie i did think it was a good twist though like obviously um you were shocked i was shocked but i just think where it winds up taking the movie it it's not warranted that it have that kind of twist you know i think the yes. competition between them was good enough tension um and for them to kind of again like devil wears prada you have anne hathaway who's this green nerdy very educated girl mm -hmm. and she's entering this fashion world and you have someone like emily who's very like hardened by you know the job she's in and um and also miranda and they learn from each other and learns how important this thing she thought was kind of stupid and superficial is and how much she learned from her internship and then you have you know i don't know really that miranda learned a lot but you have a soft moment where she writes this amazing recommendation for her and she wants her to replace emily and all these things and emily also kind of softens you know at the end where she's like you know you're gonna have big shoes to fill and so I feel like second act could have had that kind of moment instead of this like 
they're mother and daughter so then you know their relationship isn't so like this bitch trying to take my job and who she thinks she is type of thing yeah i didn't like that they pitted them against each other and i mean of course that's just like a dude being a dick that's just this like old fart ceo man being like you know it would be hilarious if i put my new head like my new lead of research and sales against my daughter like i think and i'm not going to do anything and i'm going to make all of the profit from it like he was I just was like, why was that? Why was that necessary? Well, I just didn't like that they were pit against each other. It wasn't really his fault because it, it was their idea. Um, really, Vanessa Hudgens' idea and her issue because she was the person behind the skincare line. So she's like, oh, our skincare line sucks? Okay, bitch. Let's see what you got. And so I don't really have a problem with them going against each other, but I, I didn't really like that off bat, like, that they had a problem with each other. Like, that's very stereotypical, you know? Like, it's very yeah. Kelly. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, no, that's a really good point. You're right. Because instead, she could have just taken, like, um, some really good, like, constructive criticism, criticism, be like, oh, holy shit. Wow, you're right. You kind of, like, see, you, you saw through my bullshit and you saw that my skincare line was not 100% organic. Um, and be like, all right, then you have three months to make me something, yeah. you know, to, to prove otherwise. Um, and be, and because Maya is someone in her mid forties joining a fairly young, like corporate team, like her assistants are younger than her. And, you know, obviously she doesn't have like the business experience she has the people experience but she doesn't have the like scientific background to know all of the ingredients that go into a product like that and she has to kind of like figure that out on her own um to feel like she has more to prove because she's more seasoned of a human being because when she quits her um like job at the at the local grocery store and the guy's like good luck getting a new job at someone your age and i was just like bitch you fucking bitch and but she turned around and she just goes watch me and like walks out like she felt in that moment that she had a lot more to prove because you know it is harder when you quit your job um in like the midst of your career at like your kind of midlife point you have Mm -hmm. maybe 20 30 more years before retirement and like can be scary it can be kind of scary so i i would have liked that um plot a little bit more if it like wasn't them competing but maybe like Vanessa Hudgens being like all right you got a skincare line that you think is better you got three months to like prove yourself I don't know in a weird way again I think it could have gone very devil wears Prada it's a fish out of water thing like Jennifer Lopez is plopped into this world that she really didn't belong in because she didn't have well not belong in but that she wasn't necessarily ready for because she didn't have the experience and she didn't really apply for this job but you know she makes the best of it she learns a lot along the way and proves that she actually does belong there she has the knowledge and wherewithal to figure this thing out with the help of some very intelligent people who already work there and you know help her along the way people who also were kind of thrown out because of evil um 
power seekers within the structure of the company. So um, even if, like you said, Vanessa Hudgens' character is like, okay, you have three months, do this. And there's still some aspects of her trying to sabotage her. Like, mm. which is what, um, what's his face? This character kind of does. He's like trying Rob. to dig, yeah, he's trying to dig into her background and be like, oh, there's something off with her. Mm-hmm. Which to me, I thought, first of all, who has this much time? At a job like that to be like, I'm going to look into Carol's credentials because <laughs> <laughs> she can't really work Excel like she said she could. <laughs> like, I mean, she can't drive a boat that's suspicious because it all started they they had they do this like team building exercise because on maya's fake resume that leah remini's son of the movie dilly i think his name was Mm -hmm. um he was um going off to stanford he was this like kind of tech um computer hacky nerdy kind of genius Mm -hmm. um and so has like made this fake resume and facebook page for maya and it has pictures of her climbing kilimanjaro has pictures of her meeting brock and michelle obama which is a real picture really Uh uh-huh it's a real picture it was of like a met gala or some um, like American music concert. I don't know why I'm concert. surprised about that. Of course, Jalen. <laughs> I mean, and... she fucking sang at the inauguration for Biden. Oh. Okay, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, no, no. It wasn't that. And obviously, the, that inauguration was after. But yeah, um, so that was a real picture. And on this like extensive resume, it says like these different schools, grad schools, and um, like extracurriculars that she did. And one of them was rowing. One of them was that she speaks Mandarin. And so in like the first team building exercise, he's like, oh, let's like do um, like a competitive rowboat on like for like both of the teams. Um, and uh, Jenna or Maya is trying to kind of mimic what Vanessa Hudgens is saying, but she's like, oh, pull forth pull pork you mean <laughs> and then like yeah. they they end up crashing into each other and the boss anderson clark was like that was awesome you're a wild crazy girl and like <laughs> you know chugs a beer or whatever and then that british guy rob is like that's suspicious i'm gonna look her up and it's like just sip your cosmo man and like right? don't be a sorry you got wet <laughs> in a water sport activity <laughs> Big sourpuss. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that part of the movie, I I definitely think could change. Um, I guess we're jumping ahead a little to like, what we would change in this movie? But um, the things that I liked about this movie, one, I love Jennifer Lopez when she is able to show her comedy chops a bit. Um, yeah. When she quits her job, you know, she walks out and she's like feeling herself. There's a nice little slow-mo action and then she... She flings her tag behind her. Yeah, she turns to go through like a, a closed register but the, the cord is up so she flips over it and so those moments, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my god, see, JLo's great at comedy and then just her rapport with Leah, again, they're real friends and sometimes that doesn't always translate on screen, you know, real relationships but this one did really well Mm -hmm. and so like again the scene where you know leah's psyching her up and like who's the champ they do that in real life except they don't slap each other but this (laughs) was improv and you know 
pretty genuine and seeing their interviews for this movie you know just really showcases their friendships and you can see Leah brings out this like goofy side of JLo that you can see a little bit underneath the really nice polished glowy pretty Mm -hmm. you know girl in her but um it really really comes out I feel like when they're in company together that kind of like annoying friend that you're like stop like I'm trying to (laughs) I'm trying to work I'm trying to be serious and they bring out that like you know uh prankster maybe type of goofball side of you um I, I I thought there was um there was an interview to where um a lot of a lot of the questions are always about Jennifer Lopez which i thought was in- interesting but um Vanessa Hudgens talks about <laughs> it kind of kind of made me feel old even though i'm younger than her but where she talks about like she grew up on jlo rom-coms and you know how awesome it would be to be in one with her and i was like mm-hmm. oh damn <laughs> like i can only imagine Jennifer hearing that and kind of being like damn (laughs) and i thought that they played a convincing mother and daughter duo that's what i was kind of hinting at earlier before we had said what the main twist was and when i look at the two of them together i could see like it's a convincing cast wise Mm -hmm. um i mean i liked their relationship on screen together especially once they had found out and like that's what kind of brings zoe and maya closer together maya or zoe wants a relationship she wants to find out more about her they start going on walks they go out to dinners and you know it's like a friendly competition now not so much like a really like mean sabotage competition between the two of them like they'll bring each other coffees and stuff at work and um jennifer lopez's team Mm-hmm. ends up winning the competition they find this special in- two special ingredients for their cream that's going to make it um organic and they organic. choose to go all in one so that's cost efficient yes that's right and so when vanessa loses or when zoe loses it's not this like oh like kind of like i'm butthurt now i'm just gonna go back to art school like she <laughs> she was just like congrats and now we want to like hire you full-time like head of yeah go ahead I will say, though, okay, I know that we said, like, the mom-daughter adoptedness of it all, like, mm, I could do without it, but Mm -hmm. without that, do you think that they would, like, the end of the competition and all that would end like it did? Because I feel like that's where that softness Mm. came from. Yeah, yeah, you're right. She clearly had a soft side. I think either way, even if even if the mother-daughter duo wasn't part of the plot line, um, she still probably would have been like upset to find out that the whole time she had been lying about who she was. Like when she drops the bomb at the end, when she's like pitching the cream to like the board of execs in that presentation. That's why I thought that maybe that storyline of like that leaning more on the rom-com side would have worked better like had her competitor been a man someone she's interested really kind of interested in and then they he like you know the night before the presentation or whatever he's just like i just want to let you know it doesn't matter who wins like I learned something that's more important than cream. Love. Oh my god, it's how I to love lose a guy you. in 10 days. <laughs> yeah, it's how to lose a guy in 10 days. And then she's like, oh shit, like I've caught the feels. And then she like says who she really is on stage. And then she's like, but Mark, I love you. And you've taught me Not something. Of- I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You know what I mean? So like, yeah. I thought that that... 
<laughs> Storyline. <laughs> you just struggle lesson today, aren't you? <laughs> I thought that that storyline would have worked a little bit better, but that's not. I agree. I agree. But you're right because of the like adopted daughter bomb drop of what the main kind of conflict I think of this movie was. Uh is how they kind of got that softness and she was like i want you to stay it's gonna like i want you in my life like this is really important to me and so now and now maya's like well fuck like yeah i don't want to disappoint her like she thinks now that i am this like amazing well-learned well-traveled person but really i'm not like i lived in the queens and i like, I have a GED and I've worked at a grocery store for the past 16 years or whatever. Yeah, I wrote that that's such a shitty spot to be in. Because also at that point, like, her friends, like, Leah Remini's character, Joan, is kind of giving her a hard time about, mm-hmm. like, you know, don't... I know that, you know, being this person that we kind of made you to be has gotten you where you kind of want to be in this job and gotten you this relationship with your daughter but you know the person you were before was kind of cool too so don't Mm -hmm. don't forget that person which is kind of like again andy in devil wears prada where her friends are you know giving her shit about how she's adapted to her job and kind of drank the kool-aid but it's also like you put her in that position. That's like. the thing. That's 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 what drove me. I hate like I like the Devil Wears Prada. It's a a huge iconic movie. That boyfriend is like on my shit list of ultimate <laughs> douche canoes because it's like motherfucker, you can't just support your girlfriend who's like really clearly thriving in what she's doing. Like she's changing, no doubt, but like you can't accept the fact that she has like a career career now yeah like shame on you and then i didn't feel it that hard with this movie but like when the when maya and joan kind of get together for a walk and it's like edging close towards the holiday time and it's like a bit of a scene that reminds me of aladdin when genie's like you got to tell her the truth man like lying about it's only going to make it worse she has a good point she's like you can't expect like now that she's in your life again that you're gonna be able to maintain this farce that you're not this person who you had on your resume and it's just but it's still like a little furiating it's like you put her in this position like you were the one who encouraged her to do this and to like start over and reinvent herself and and that's why I thought maybe her in many ways keep in it many up. ways the mandarin, keep, yes the, the mandarin stopping by the lunch to be yes. like oh we're her Wharton uh and we were in the Peace Corps together and yes like, yes yeah uh that kind of really bothered me a little bit now I thought perhaps like if Jennifer if a love interest was never part of the story and instead Leah it kind of looks like Leah Remini was a single mom like we didn't really see her husband anywhere right but we know that she has two kids with a pretty significant age gap one's going into college one's like pretty young elementary school that kid was a good comedic (laughs) relief too yeah (laughs) um although I think the overuse of like kids swearing in movies is like an easy cop out for comedies, but yeah. it was still funny. It was still <laughs> funny. But um, so I thought, okay, maybe if there's like no love interest at all, but instead Maya lived with Joan in like a, you know, multi-story house in Queens and mm-hmm. she kind of like 
both help like they were both single women living together relying on each other not just for income and companionship and friendship but like uh childcare and and all that stuff now mm-hmm. that would be one thing if she was like a constant companion lived at their house got this job moved into this like beautiful corporate owned apartment with like a fully stocked fridge and all these credit cards hashtag what a dream that would be um (laughs) and then for Joan to be like I really miss you because she had like lost that companionship she lost a roommate she lost childcare, whatever it it would be um then that would feel a little bit more understandable yeah for sure I mean yeah that's that's a that's an area of suspension of disbelief where, like, I could suspend it for a little bit, but then I was like, what an ass thing to do. Because, again, like you said, you don't also want to disappoint this kid who you finally found and found your, each other, you know, and are getting to know each other. And she has these high ideals of you now. And so you're in a pretty crummy spot. But... Going back to, like, Nate and Devil Wars Prada, that's where I feel like Trey is kind of useless a little bit Mm -hmm. because he does kind of what Nate does where he, where she's finally having this success and this career opportunity and then he's like, well, I want a family and it looks like you don't want that because you're focused on doing all this career stuff and I was just like, bro... Why, why does it have to be that, you know, your girl gets a job and of course she's trying to start her career and now you want to throw the kid's card on the table. Like, oh, yeah. this is my heart out. Like, apparently this isn't what you want. You've been with her for how long and you guys haven't had this conversation? Yes. Yes, dude. I told, I wrote down the same thing. And it's funny because like I said, we both rated this movie on the higher end of average. Like, I didn't hate this movie. It wasn't the worst thing that I saw, but it's just, you know, these like small little details that I kind of wish were just a little different. But that's one thing that I totally agree with you there that like, congrats on your new job. I'm leaving, you know, (laughs) and then the fact that they were apart for so long, she would periodically check in on him or like, you know, be stalking his Insta and seeing like what he was up to. I haven't really seen in a movie. There was a lot of product placement in here, but I think part of that has to do with like the corporation piece of it. Yeah, but I also think that might be J-Lo and her, like, budgeting ways of... Because even her music videos, remember, we were like, there's oh, a lot yeah. of weird... <laughs> there are a lot of weird plot and primers. lip balm. <laughs> yes, you're so right. But yeah, Trey bothered me in that way and to the point where I was like, so, so what was the reason? What was the reason of that relationship? Is it for story development? How would this movie be different if the breakup didn't happen? And like Trey still supported her and they like got to live in this fun little apartment together while he still coached something. Baseball. Yeah. baseball. <laughs> 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 and um and then like he could help her in her her little like corporate scheme and corporate shenanigans. Yeah. You know? And like, hell, get get the baseball kids to go do some research on like <laughs> your product placement. And then, you know, he can like kind of help her with these heists and he plays more of like a doting, supportive boyfriend that but is like, hey, you know, you should tell the truth about like you should talk to like maybe he knew about 
adoption or yeah. uh, about Zoe. And once she told him, he's like, oh, you should like definitely tell the truth. Like the jig is up. You, you gotta, you owe it to yourself and to her to like tell the truth. I don't know. But what really bothered me was that it was at the very end. He barges in at the end. They're having this like friends dinner mm-hmm. um, because she had rid herself of the secret Maya during the presentation dropped the skincare line she like wowed the crowd and then she was like and I got to tell you something else like I don't have a college degree I have a GED I'm like not who you think I am whatever whatever and because of like the nature of this business meeting it's like live streamed everywhere so people can just like I don't know watch this happen on live tv and so you'll see like the grocery store mom crew like watching it on one of the TVs in the grocery store, kind of like Costco, where they have all those TVs lined up and they're (laughs) watching it. And then you'll see Trey sitting down on his phone, like, you know, watching her do this speech. (laughs) Yeah. And then so afterwards, they they build themselves up again. Within a year's time, they start their own company. And it's the idea that she had pitched to the like executive that came to their like grocery store chain Mm -hmm. about online department shopping. She Um, created Instacart. (laughs) Yes, she created Instacart. And so they're having this lovely friends dinner um dilly is home from college he like dropped out and then he went back and was like helping them also run the company Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden trey just opens the door and walks in and it's like very clear that no one was expecting him there and then they have this conversation and then they take each other back and the first thing he asks is so you want to start a family and it's like dude (laughs) give it some fucking time you yes okay what was her line bria is that um well first of all he was like are you gonna lie to me again and then she's like yes and she's like but that will be the last time and then (laughs) um but then um he asked her and she's like well you are my family like i don't know if they were playing at this but her age i know he mentioned prior like we can adopt like i just want a family with you um I don't know. Yeah, I just don't see that really working out. But while you were talking, I was thinking, and this movie can easily be one of those movies where it's like, like you said earlier, kind of pick a lane. And I said, there's too much dip on the chip. I think for me, oddly, the reason why I'm able to look past that is that I think the through line through the story of this woman having this sort of midlife change of career and life and shooting for her dreams and goals and making the most of all that and learning to take the bumps as they come along. I think that is so powerful and inspirational that like Mm -hmm. the adoption storyline, the shitty boyfriend storyline, the like not super supportive friends, but kind of supportive still storyline if those things were more central i think that this movie definitely could be like a backup plan where it's just like it's just too much adversity that i can't get over whereas this movie i think she winds up pushing through a lot of that stuff like we're breaking up with this dude that you're in love with and you didn't really want to break up with but 
well, she got dumped, really. She didn't oh, yeah. end up with him. It wasn't amicable. Yeah, so, you know, having that happen and then, you know, this lie, the weight of the lie, the weight of lying to your kid that you finally found, all that stuff could break her. She really, like, kind of just juggled and powered through and did this amazing thing despite all that and then came around and owned it all. Mm-hmm. And so... I mean, I definitely don't think you can make the movie any other way besides her, you know, succeeding and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, if she failed, it'd be like, well, what was all this shit for? <laughs> like, why am I watching this? So it yeah. has to be aspirational in that part. But I think kind of like, um, not quite like Border Town and El Cantante and stuff, but the reason and the purpose of this movie to me, I think overshadowed some of the like, very questionable parts because as we're like talking about it and kind of breaking down these weird parts i'm like yeah that is like really shitty and and i think if any of those things were the central part of this movie it would be very questionably bad like if this was the folk like if the focus was kind of her relationship and this is how her and trey were together that's a bad relationship that's not great yeah the uh, if it was focused on her friendship with Leah completely like that's a pretty good friendship but at the same time like there's some like okay give give me a break like you did this and then if it was focused on her finding her adoptive daughter and stuff is like well you're a fucking liar for one and you already gave her up so I mean talk about trauma and issues oh yeah there's like even <laughs> even then when she like decided to have her back in her life, like they probably would benefit from some therapy. Yes. <laughs> Not so, maybe together, but like to talk about it. Yeah. So the, I think to me too, what spoke to me the most was the, the element of figuring out what she wanted in life and going after it and all that stuff, because that is, something i'm trying to figure out in life so to see that really i think for me i had like success goggles on like oh man this this is inspirational (laughs) like no and i i think that's why i liked it because i did feel inspired i did like the moments that maya worked well with her team to really work on something not for the sake of competition but and for the sake of profit but for the sake of really caring about the thing that you're creating and making and putting out into the world um which i think has a lot to do with just maya's character in general yeah being being this more streetwise people oriented person versus book junkies i don't know (laughs) who like have the paper have the experience down on paper and in terms of a degree but aren't really good who might have the knowledge of what it would take to run a business or a company or a team um, and put out a product but may not have the people skills to know how to create a, a product i really liked that element of it and what you were saying with all of the things that Maya was going through, she still juggled and handled things really well that every time she was on screen, her character was glowing, like in each (laughs) scene that she had this kind of like personable, relatable, um, calm, nurturing and caring character, but also very like sassy and streetwise. Mm -hmm. And there's this part where, um, 
they're at the Christmas corporate party. Um, Maya says uh, to hell with it. And she brings her um, chase uh, played by Alan Eisenberg, who is kind of like the main scientist in her group. He's the guy that like puts all of the ingredients together for the product. Um, and he's this like quirky guy who was kicked off of the main team that they're competing against because he was trying to speak out against the original line of organic products. And they're like, if you blab your mouth, we're going to fire you. Talk about whistleblower. <laughs> totally. Like he should have called the hotline. <laughs> like... He should have. And he should have been protected. But yeah. instead, I mean, but then we wouldn't have got this like weird quirky guy yeah. that plays with cats and cat foods. <laughs> but talking about Chase and Ari, I think too that it's amazing too that Maya again you're talking about her being a people person and these elements of her really helping her in this job situation but it's this underdog story that but I also think that it's important like how much her being around has kind of bettered these people in a way like Ariana seems like she's kind of gotten some confidence she tells hildy off because hildy's like well i'm gonna join the other team and then she's like she closes the door in her face is like good riddance like fuck Mm -hmm. her (laughs) and then obviously ariana and chase start some kind of romance kind of flirting thing going on and then i would venture to say that she's even made an impact on zoe Mm -hmm. and she winds up going back to school and trying to pursue photography well she does pursue pursue photography she finishes and comes back after she graduates but um yeah you know these things where it's like unbeknownst her she's also helped inspire and help these other people be more confident in themselves Mm -hmm. while finding the confidence in herself really to do something that she thought maybe she couldn't do yeah yeah i i would agree with that it's a good point and i just to kind of put a finale on what we overall like our thoughts on this movie i think we've already kind of hashed out what we would preferably want to change about it um and i know it sounds like i have shot on this movie but i wouldn't necessarily change much it would just be a preference to um turn the volume up on certain aspects of the plot and turn the volume down on others and to give a little bit more of um like a clear direction i think because second act, it tr- it says it's in the comedy genre, which I would agree with. But it's very watered down by these like Hallmark Channel elements to it to give it too much of an emotional pull. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I think what felt off, like just something felt off to me while watching this movie. And I think it's the base, it's the wants and needs of Maya's character. And it was just too overcomplicated. Um, her story felt too thickened with extra ingredients, love life, starting a family, giving up a daughter for adoption, feeling not good enough for her job, having to prove herself with higher execs. Um, those are all normal things that I think people deal with maybe with the exception of adoption, like it's common and stuff, but I would say not feeling good enough in your job, having this imposter syndrome, um, especially for couples thinking about starting a family and what you want. Um, And looking through the cast of 
uh, Peter or uh, yeah, Peter Seagal's um, movies, they've all been male dominated with the exception of 51st Dates, which was Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. But and then Get Smart was um, Steve Carell and Anna Hathaway. And I think that maybe it's because this is Steven Seagal's maybe perhaps one of his only movies that stars and centers around a female character and it shows. Um, and we've talked about that before on this show where like men writing in women's roles are mm-hmm. a comedy on its own because <laughs> it's like you missed the mark there, buddy. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I was just trying to like, and maybe too, because I'm not a always a rom-com chick flick kind of person and I, and I'm like looking for a reason to hate this movie or like pick it apart. And instead I should just let movies movie and let this one just be for what it is. Because in reality, it's not a bad movie. I just felt like something felt off. That there were two, like the things that could have been really funny just got too watered down. Well, I raise you a director issue and I ask, is this really the director or is this the writers? Because this movie has two writers. You have yes. Justin Zackham, who has credits for writing for um, The Bucket List, which is kind of this feel-good comedy with Morgan Freeman and Robert De Niro. Um, and then you have Jayla's bestie producing partner, Elaine Goldsmith-Thomas, who does not have any other writing credits. She has tons of producer credits, but um, this is her. And I think if you look at the two of them, first off, I think Elaine obviously knows Jennifer very well. Um, and, you know, when JLo talks about this movie, she talks about how, you know, obviously this movie was sort of made for her, really. Like, and Elaine knows she likes to play these hardworking characters pull themselves up by their bootstraps this is very made in manhattan right Mm -hmm. but at the same time i think that maybe her being so close to jennifer kind of influenced how this storyline went with Mm -hmm. all these different elements you know it has to be funny has to be you know touching it has to be you know, there's this element of romance because Jayla loves mm-hmm. a rom-com. Mm-hmm. So it can't just be this career movie. It has to have all these different aspects. And maybe as a first-time writer, maybe that's too much to try to tackle in a movie. And yeah, um, okay, I, I say all that to say that in the past, we definitely have shitted on directors and writers a la Martin Brest with Gigli because that was a dumpster fire of, again, his first film, his first writing credit. Great yes. director, first time writing, yes. too much dip on the chip. Too much dip on the chip. Um, and then it also made me think of Angel Eyes, which was written by someone. I remember we were like, this feels very TV movie-ish, which was written by- And they did all TV movies. Yes. So yeah. I think that looking at the writers and their credits kind of helps, like, you know, put that in a different perspective. Like, maybe Elaine was trying to fulfill too much of what J-Lo wanted to do, like, in terms of this movie. And um, and in a way, I think 
having J-Lo produce this movie and even Boy Next Door, these are things she has a say in. So sometimes it's like, I don't know if I said this when we recorded, but I definitely think that her balancing everything is probably overwhelming. And for acting to me, she really has kind of played it safe after the 90s, you know? Yeah. So I think that she's not taking roles really besides maybe enough. And um, that's all I could really think of, of like really biting into something really heavy, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that with that in mind, I think she wants to do pretty fun, fluffy type movies. and Yeah, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. My issue that you're right, it's not always about directing. It, it takes a lot of uh, ingredients to make a movie happen. The, the director is like the oven, right, that kind of <laughs> powers everything together, that like bakes it all and like, or it's the directions on the back of the cake box that tells you like how much oil and eggs you need. I don't know where I'm going with this dumb analogy, but like... <laughs> But you have writers, you have producers, you have um, music, you have the actors, you have all these things that go into it. Um, and so, yeah, maybe it's not all Peter Seagal. I just I just got kind of curious because I was like, I knew that name sounded familiar. Mm -hmm. And then when I saw the rap sheet of all of these, like, like Tommy Boy, 51st Dates, Longest Yard, Anger Management, like those are all like Get Smart. Those are slapstick comedy movies. And yeah. I was like, oh, why couldn't this have been a slapstick comedy? Um, and then it got me thinking about like Bridesmaids and how Bridesmaids is a comedy, but too many people were trying to put it, oh, it's like a rom-com and it's like a chick flick it's like no this movie was just funny yeah. you know i don't know i wouldn't like put like yeah there were like elements of coupling and romance and stuff in it um same with ghostbusters like everyone wanted to say oh the females ghostbusters like it's just ghostbusters man like we we get that you're a little baby back bitch product of the 80s and you want to be mad because women are like touching your childhood or whatever like get over it so i don't know that part just made me curious but Jennifer Lopez, like you mentioned, Bria, is a multifaceted, multi-hyphenated kind of celebrity. And one thing we know that she's good at and the hill that we're willing to die on is that she is talented. She did a song for this movie. You want to talk about Limitless? Yes, I do. Um... How is that segue? <laughs> that was a good segue. Yeah. Uh, I, okay, well, I kind of already knew she made this song, obviously, but I don't think I heard it in its entirety. And then you, of course, hear it, I believe, in the end credits mm -hmm. of the movie. Um, and it's definitely a movie song, which yeah. I recently used to describe my dearest Beyonce's Be Alive. <laughs> because, uh -huh. you know, Be Alive, I think, is a great song. It's just, and like, I'm segueing here with Limitless, so... Stick with me here. Uh, okay, Be Alive okay, okay. is a great song. When I listened to it, I said the exact same thing. It's definitely a movie song. It is a song that fits perfectly at the end credits of a movie, in the trailers and all that stuff. Great. It does not stand alone from the movie for me. And so Limitless is kind of like that too. It's a great song. It's written by Sia. Um, yeah. And um, it's very inspirational. You know, it sounds like a stadium song that would be awesome to hear at, at concerts, a la maybe the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I think 
the the videos pretty uh, i don't love the video to be honest um i think it could have been more aligned with the movie a little bit is a little abstract i do think it's cute that emmy's in it playing like a younger jennifer Mm -hmm. um and i i also watched her performance on ellen Mm -hmm. i was really impressed because of course these days i like to look for the things that the haters might pick apart and i thought jayla did a great job i didn't see any signs of like lip syncing i thought she sang live and that she sounded good um, I do think it's very telling, especially post reading and talking about her book that she, even with Marry Me, is doing these ballads, even for home too, mm-hmm. doing these ballads for these movies where you would think someone who gets shit for her vocals so much and has previously maybe been told that, you know, she isn't that type of singer, that she's really stretching and pushing that button to mm-hmm turn these movie songs out like that so i kind of i think that um plays into this movie a bit because it's something she wasn't confident about before maybe had a bit of imposter syndrome about before and she's reckoned a lot with herself and self-reflected and she's like you know what i'm gonna sing what i want to sing and i have a voice and it might not be like what people expect or want from me but i'm gonna use it and i'm gonna do what i love to do and so for that I gave it props. Um, I don't hate this song again. I think it's very inspirational. It's just not a song I'm reaching for outside of this movie. Yes. Yeah, I agree. I The song actually reminded me a lot of the song from Home um, to the point where I had to take a double look to be like, they're not reusing this song, are they? But no, they like, it, it was pretty clear. Yeah, Limitless was a fine song. It wasn't, um, you know the biggest <laughs> but i i felt like it, it make it made sense going in this movie versus my love don't cost a thing when at the end of made in manhattan right yes i will never forgive for dun, that. Dun, 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 dun. and the fact that they put it in a tv spot for the movie yeah. like the song does not correspond to this movie it's a rom-com yeah. it yeah anyway oh, wait that's not made in manhattan that's Wedding planner. Wedding planner. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. It actually would make sense in Made in Manhattan, but not in Wedding yeah, Planner. Kind of. But anyways. Yeah. Yes. 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 Okay. Any anything else? I mean, I think too we like were tearing apart this movie, but again, like there were some funny parts. Um, and then I did put Simone that I felt like Leah slapping, um, Maya was like mm-hmm. you and me. <laughs> Who's a champ? Who's a champ? <laughs> yes, I feel like you'd be slapping me. Uh, yes, I would be. Uh, oh, I thought her speaking Mandarin was hilarious. Oh, yeah, that part was funny. Yeah, so basically on her fake resume, it says that she plays Mandarin and then one of the, like, investors in their product, they're, like, flying him down from China to, like, tour their facilities or something and they're needing him to, like, close on the deal before they have him sign this NDA. And they're like, oh, Maya, like, since you're the only person who can speak Mandarin, like you should come to this dinner and help him out because his English is rusty and so she's like wearing this earpiece and she's talking to Joan's veterinarian 
And so he's like translating really quickly what he's saying to her and like having her repeat it back. And I was actually pretty impressed. I mean, (laughs) I've talked about this before. I lived in China for a year. That doesn't make me like super cultured or anything amazing like that. It was a wonderful experience that I'm glad I did. But I didn't learn Mandarin when I was there because I knew, A, I was only going to be there for a year. Um, and, um, And B, it's a hard language because you can it's all about tones and inflections of your voice and i was so scared about pronunciating something correctly that i was going to possibly offend someone and then that's kind of what happens in this dialogue where the veterinarian is um like saying um he's doing a a full cavity search of a dog um, (laughs) at the same time that he's like talking to Maya through this earpiece and it ends up the dialogue kind of like meshes together at some point because the guy um, looks over at Rob and he was like like what's this guy's problem like he seems kind of like a douche and Maya says like oh he his anal glands need to be milked they're very full and then he's like ah that's funny I like her like that part was funny that part was good (laughs) Uh, and I thought you know, like her her tones and inflections first like you can tell that she memorized those lines in Mandarin to like give it a try and that she wasn't saying like fake Chinese sounding words to the mm-hmm. point where it would be offensive. Like those were actual Mandarin words that she was speaking. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was one of the highlights. Also there's um a line where I th- think this i don't know when this is but one of the ladies from the mom group she's like earmuffs jesus <laughs> oh you know you're my homeboy jesus because it's yes. leah it's it's a jones birthday and she yes, was just yes, like yes. we know who the real birthday star is and she's like earmuffs <laughs> jesus you know you're my homeboy because uh her birthday's on christmas i think yeah, yeah so, <laughs> so i thought that was funny and then last but la- not least, two things that probably wrap up how I feel about this movie. I noted um, that I didn't know if I should be inspired or upset by this movie. Mm, and then okay. also that um, at the very end, I wrote, J-Lo is right. The only thing stopping me is me. And that's why I probably am giving this movie a lot of passes because yes. it kind of fucked me up in that sense of being like, damn, like really i think that that kind of shows in maya's character throughout the movie that she is a go-getter like in her interview at frank and clark she mentions like well this your skincare line like didn't sell well because you're marketing it as a hair growth product but you put like shampoo as a replacement that's not hair growth or whatever yeah um she kind of like sees them out or like you mentioned this on as organic and there's like a whole list of chemicals chemicals on the back like that's not organic and so she is willing to speak her mind um but she's also a character that like takes in a lot of consideration of others and um and herself and kind of sees like you know what am i doing here like this is really it's difficult to run a job that you she has like the street training for or like the people training for but not all of it comes naturally to her and she doesn't really like do a lot of like oh here's one thing here's kind of my last final closing comments i would have been perfectly fine with the suspension of disbelief in this movie had there been a montage where maya and dilly sat 
like sit together and Dilly like coaches her on her new character Mm -hmm. of like, you're this person, you graduated from this school, like here are your special talents because everyone's like, oh, we're inviting you to this dinner because like we need someone who speaks Mandarin and she's just like, Oh, right. And that's me. (laughs) Right. Like, you know, it's like, oh, my God, at least brush up on your character. Like, you're going to out yourself at this point. Even the rowing thing. Even the rowing thing. She's like, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Right. At Harvard. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, like, if if she had sat down and, like, put work into the background story of her character and then get so lost into it in it now that's why jones mad at her or like Mm -hmm. her friends miss her because she gets like so wrapped up in this fake persona um maya never really changes like she's still herself she just wears more she's just busier now and so i felt like she never really truly lost herself in that sense yeah that's my final closing comment on this bria i had a hard time thinking about snacks and cocktails for this movie normally that stuff that's I know, I figured, but I like, <laughs> <laughs> I never understand the assignment. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I didn't know we had an assignment. Um, <laughs> but I, usually they come very naturally to me because as um, I will be the one to edit this episode and I'm curious to know if you can hear me eating. I ate a whole damn bowl of popcorn while we were recording this episode. Oh, you finished it. I am impressed. Food is always on my radar. <laughs> and so while we were, while I was watching this, I was like, I can't think of a damn thing. Like there's not like a significant food. Like there's a sandwich shop that Maya takes Zoe to. And she's like, this is where I like said goodbye. This is where I hugged you for the last time, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. But even then it was like a nondescript kind of sub deli place um her and trey went to that italian restaurant where he dumped yeah yeah, so that was just more like uh i don't know i did say a cocktail for this movie and it was inspired by when they go to the yacht club and they do a little competitive rowing and um Annalie Ashford's character named Hildy, who's the blonde, like, other assistant oh, to yeah. Maya's character, who looks kind of like Kelly Conway, Kellyanne Conway. From oh. <laughs> Oof. I'm sure. Oof. I'm sorry. No offense to that actress, but that's like what she was picking up like that's the vibes that i was getting from her um she's not rowing and she's mm-hmm. watching them row and she's just drinking this cosmo with like a or it's martini a martini, it's a martini yeah. and she's like you made me draw my olive um and then when they were coming up with their um enlisted ingredients to put in their um in their product one of the things was tangerine that tangerine was going to provide you this like all-in-one product with like vitamin c with the anti-aging and the plumpness of firming of the skin whatever whatever so i long story short i thought i was like maybe like a tangerine cosmopolitan or like a tangerine martini or something served in that like cute kind of because when i think of a fancy corporate drink when i think of like (laughs) someone who lives in a manhattan high-rise apartment that they are not opening up a can of beer or a bottle of beer like JLo is, which is very cute and casual, and her and Leah have a drink. Um, or like they also are very comfortable like pouring like big glasses of wine, like a mom's mm-hmm. club thing. But when I think of corporate America, I think of fancy cocktails with bitters and herbs and <laughs> Aperol spritzes kind of thing. Very um uh what do you call those people? Those like fancy ass bartenders who like 
craft cocktail. Like, yes. Yes. I like that idea. I actually have an idea now that I've listened to you, okay. <laughs> which usually happens. Um, I'm going to see your tangerine martini, and I'm going to go for the busy working woman always juggling life and work, an espresso martini. Ooh. Get a little, get a little mm-hmm. caffeine in there. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go with, like in the opening scene, I'm going to go with a bacon, egg, and cheese from your local um, okay. bodega. Oh, okay. Good on answer. Type thing. Yeah. <laughs> quick, a quick on the go breakfast. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure J Lo would probably eat like a granola bar or yogurt or something healthier, but you know, I'm gonna go with the with the sandwich. So, <laughs> got to do what's you got to you got to pair what's best with the movie. I, exactly. I like your choice. Good exactly. choice, Bria. <laughs> <laughs> also, I just want to kind of correct us we did stars instead of pumps of butter and we did um, i think i thought about that i was like did i say stars instead of pumps of butter yes and i did too and we totally didn't even think twice about it but uh just you know if you've gotten this far just think earlier that's what we meant (laughs) yeah we we meant a one two three a pump and and up and down and a a one two three huh on our popcorn (laughs) And I'm buying candy for this movie. Yeah, I'm going to need something sweet as well. I'm going to need a combo of sweet and salty for this. Yes, yes. Maybe some, like, sweet tarts. I love Sour Punch Kids at the movies. Mm-hmm. They're sour and then they're sweet. All right. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. And to the people who have stuck with us so far, please come back for another episode of the value save version of Inside the Actor Studio. Oh, my. Look at that cute little tie-in to the movie. (laughs) And seriously, though, if you do like us enough to stick around, take another deep dive down this IMDb rabbit hole with us as we discuss, if you're ready for this, y'all, one of our we are wrapping up our season on jennifer lopez and we are going to be discussing our final jennifer lopez movie hustlers but don't be discouraged listeners because this is not our final episode of the season we are going to be splitting hustlers into two special episodes similarly to what we did with selena and we'll be wrapping up our first season with a few not so many episodes and last minute pop culture add-ons yes oh my god i'm not ready simone but but, you know, on that note, if you've got nothing better to do, why don't you go figure out a theme to watch a bunch of movies you've never seen? I'm your host, Simone. Please subscribe to this blessed mess and leave us a like or give how many pumps of butter would you give our podcast right now? Let us know. I would love to know. Is it a measly like spritz of I can't believe Oh, it's not please butter. don't. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, if that's it, I don't want to know. <laughs> Keep your spritz to yourself. <laughs> I'm your host, Bria, and it would be awesome for you to wipe off those buttery popcorn fingers after you tell us how many pumps you'd give us and give us a review. Follow us at Roll Call Pod on Instagram, TikTok, and my favorite Twitter. Also, I might, this might be a dangerous rabbit hole to open up, but, Uh you know, we might have some listeners who aren't on the socials, who aren't tapped into, you know, social media. If you want, email us, email us at loyaloats 
that is l-o-y-a-l-o-a-t-s at gmail.com it's also in our description now but you know for you old fogies who don't want to tweet <laughs> and twat at us then, <laughs> then shoot us an email and on that note <laughs> this has been another episode of roll call and cut Tweeting and twatting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I couldn't help myself. (laughs) That was good.